And we are back. The Tri-State Sports Beat. It's Nick, Scott, and Joe here on our long, we didn't have, well, I guess it really wasn't a long hiatus, but we really don't have much to talk about. Guys, how we doing on this beautiful Wednesday evening? We are doing wonderful. Yeah, doing I'm living wonderful. life. How are you doing? Yeah. Oh, you know, we're doing well. You know, we're still in quarantine. Day number, I've lost track, and we probably all have, honestly. <laughs> Day number 10,000, it feels like. Probably. It does seem like forever, but... I think we're kind of inching towards more live sports here, boys. You know, we got KBO. We got the Korean baseball. Start your engines. Start your engines. We boogity, got boogity, 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 boys. Yeah, Let's got go NAS- race it. We got NASCAR. We got some golf going on on this Sunday that we might touch on a little bit later. But we have a double duty of episodes here today. This will be our first bonus episode where we'll cover the DeAndre Baker situation the NFL Rooney rule, and we will introduce a new segment that we will be normally doing. And then after this, you can go back and listen to our full recap of the ESPN documentary, The Last Dance, about the 98 Chicago Bulls. So stay tuned for that. But first, let's take care of business, boys. The New York Giants find themselves in some kind of controversy here as former number one uh, first-round pick DeAndre Baker has got a little bit of trouble. This is according to Bleacher Report that warrants were uh, given out on thir- last Thursday, I believe. New York Giants cornerback DeAndre Baker and Seattle Seahawks cornerback Quentin Dunbar on charges related to an alleged armed robbery. Baker has been charged with four counts of armed robbery with a firearm and four counts of aggravated assault with a firearm. Dunbar was basically the same. Giants and Seahawks have both released statements regarding this, basically saying, we know the situation, we will handle it internally, your normal, everyday organization type answer. Um, according to the arrest warrant, Baker and Dunbar and a third man attended a party in Florida and guns and, you know, showing guns and robbing the attendees for cash and four expensive watches. Baker allegedly instructed the third man, identified as shy, by one witness to shoot someone who entered the party, but no one was harmed. There are also conflicting reports with witnesses regarding whether Dunbar had a gun. However, he was heard by witnesses instructing his alleged accomplices to rob people. And the whole thing with this, which I find hilarious and so stupid, the warrant says the men were gambling and playing video games before the robbery. One witness told police that he met Baker and Dunbar, says earlier at the different party that they were gambling and lost about $70,000. So, there's a lot of information to uncover there. But since the initial incident happened, DeAndre Baker has since turned himself in to the Florida police. His attorney confirmed that was on Saturday. Bail was set for $200,000. And he also pled not guilty. Boys, Initial reaction to this situation. I was kind of surprised. I mean, like, I, I didn't like. Yes, DeAndre Baker's like a new guy to the the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, Still very kinda, unproven. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in college, he he, it wasn't a similar incident. But no, he did it, have some character issues have, coming in. Correct. Absolutely. So I mean, right off the bat, it kind of looks really bad for him and mm-hmm. the Giants organization. But like you said, like if he can prove that he wasn't like if he was on Madden as mm-hmm. he says he was, because right. I think 
what was it? I think Yahoo Sports, New York Post, um, I believe ESPN too. I think I saw ESPN. Yeah. Oh, Fox News all came out with stories about him pleading not guilty and basically saying that he was actually playing video games at the yeah. time. So, I mean, that's that's kind of like my initial reaction was the whole he had character issues back in college. It was, it's not that far, it, not um, too long ago. Like, it could be possible, but he even turned himself in. Like, if you, right. if you turn yourself in, it kind of looks a little bit better on your side when you get into court. So, I mean, for the Giants, you know, you trade up for this guy and, you know, there was a lot of eyes on him that he was going to have to break out this year and, you know, had a chance to break out this year. Um, They were relying on him and, you know, he goes out and does something like this. Um, I mean, if he's found guilty, I don't see him definitely, you know, not probably being a giant ever again or who knows if he'll be on a football field ever again. But um, I don't know. It's just you wonder like what was going through his head what was he thinking why would you do this like that kind of thing yeah i think it's just all so ridiculous i mean first of all the kid he's a kid he's our age so mm-hmm. obviously like these kind of mistakes happen to younger players coming into the league but to really need to like rob people when you're making round one pick money what are, what are we doing here and you know betting seventy thousand dollars like again $70,000 to a rookie is something. $70,000 to a veteran, that's chump change. Let's be real. But it's such a weird it's such a weird thing. Like come on. Then 70 grand, what are you playing? What are you playing? Blackjack, poker, I, you know, I don't know. Nobody knows. But like you said, Scott, you, the future is uncertain for him now. You cannot bring this guy back to the team. And this would just make Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge look horrible. And this is a not a fantastic start for DeAndre Baker under a new head coach, first of all, not making a very good first impression. But you also have to question, too, Dave Gettleman in this situation. He obviously didn't do enough homework. Obviously, DeAndre Baker, like Joe said, had some character issues coming in. And that's why he fell into the draft. That's why the Giants were able to come back into the first round last year and pick him. But obviously, Dave Gettleman hasn't done enough homework and didn't do enough homework on DeAndre Baker when he was drafted. So that's a knock on Dave Gettleman as well. And then you look at the Giants' corner, you look at it for the Giants as a whole. This cornerback situation's, you know, this was DeAndre Baker's job to lose on the other side besides James Bradbury. But now, you know, he was competing. He's competing with Valentine, Sam Beal, uh, Darnay Holmes, the rookie coming in. You know, there doesn't seem to be a whole bunch of tough competition, so this was really DeAndre Baker's job to lose, you know, in a crowded cornerback room. So now, I'm just going to say it, like, he's not coming back to the Giants. If they bring him back, it just looks horrible. I know we saw, I think he posted on Instagram that he's working out, doing his thing, you know, as kind of to try and give the Giants some confidence in him that he's going to come back and work. But if you're Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge, you say, you don't want any part of this guy. And now I don't know what the Seahawks are going to do with Dunbar. That's, you know, that's a whole different story that, you know, we don't really talk about. But it's an interesting situation to see what happens. I don't think he should be brought back. And then that begs the question, too. The Giants need to find a replacement for him. 
So if you if you're comfortable with Sam Beal or Corey Ballantyne stepping in, that's great. But then we look at the free agents. Uh, you want Tremaine Johnson? <laughs> oh dear, <laughs> thirty years old. You want Drake? Logan Patrick? Ryan. Logan Ryan's still out yeah. there. Logan Ryan, Keeb Talib, Brandon Carr, uh, Eli Apple. Want to bring him back? He's twenty five. He didn't do too bad in New Orleans. Um, you know, there's not much out there that's going to really blow you away if you're the Giants and who has the upside like DeAndre Baker did. But this is just a tough situation. Really blows for the Giants because they have cornerback needs as it is. James Bradbury covers one aspect of that, but they need multiple corners. And this was DeAndre Baker's job to lose. So it really hurts him and his NFL future. You know, and this also like going away from the Giants for a second probably looks bad on Georgia too because you talk to these college coaches you talk to Kirby Smart about oh what kind of guy is DeAndre Baker what are what kind of guy are we getting in our locker room and you know obviously he doesn't really have a criminal background but you know can you trust can you trust what Kirby Smart is saying about you know his former players and the Georgia program like you know you just draft another Georgia guy Andrew Thomas Mm -hmm. you know not saying that you know He's going to have character issues, and, I mean, you hope that he doesn't, but, you know, people didn't think DeAndre Baker was going to have issues like this, and, you know, now we are. Yeah. Tough situation. So the Giants will move forward, whether with or without DeAndre Baker. We'll see what happens in the coming weeks. So now we move on to a very intriguing, controversial topic. Now, we don't cover a lot of controversial things here on this podcast. We like to keep it light and fun. But when I saw this come across Twitter about, I'd say, what was it, a week ago, probably to this point, when I saw this come across our Twitter feed, at Pod, if you want to follow us, if you want, Jim Trotter of the NFL, this was his tweet, and Newsday Sports uh, retweeted it, that's how we found it, NFL breaking, NFL owners will vote next week, that was this week, on a resolution that would improve a team's draft position if it hires a person of color as a head coach or a general manager per sources. Currently, there are only two black GMs and four head coaches of color, matching a 17-year low. So let's take that tweet just by itself. When you see that tweet come across your timeline, guys, initial thoughts. I mean, I, kn- I you know that there's you know issues with you know people i guess having power in organizations of you know minorities and that kind of stuff in the nfl mm-hmm. yep but you know like other people other like you know african-american coaches have had a lot of opportunities in the nfl look at hugh jackson he went one and 31 in his two years with cleveland look yeah. at our own todd bulls he went 11 and five or 10 and six in uh his first season and then was terrible after that. Todd Bowles, a 26 and 41 overall record. Hugh Jackson was 11 and 44 career head coach. Yeah. And then he had that one and 31 stretch with the Browns in those two years. Yeah. You know, Jim Caldwell, you know, had some success with the Colts, won a Super Bowl. I mean, Marvin Lewis was, you know, average at, at best with the Bengals. Like every year he'd get to the playoffs and never won a playoff game. Does have an, he does, you know, I do have to point out, does have an above 500 record, it's yeah. 131 and 121. I think he overstayed his welcome in Cincinnati by a far long. Yeah, I mean that. I think, but that just proves that you know, like, you know, there are organizations in this league that aren't afraid to hire you know minorities. 
but mm-hmm. just because you know, like they're not good football coaches, you can't tell me that Hugh Jackson's a good football coach. Right. And like, you know, is he going to be hired because now he's a minority? Like, and just like, because somebody t- wants a higher draft position, yeah, like Todd right. Bowles, That's... good defensive coordinator, not a good head coach. No, like. It, it honestly makes it look like it's a forced thing now, which is just going to make it look even worse. Like, mm-hmm. oh, they're only hiring them because they get like a special, you know, reward for doing it. Like, right. it just makes it look worse. Just let the process happen. I mean, I saw something yesterday that they now have to hire or they have to interview, I think, two, two, yeah. two candidates for front office positions and one for head coach now. Right. Um, you know, like, you can do whatever you want. Like Eric Bieniemy, is he a you know uh, a product of the Rooney Rule with his you know interviews the past couple of years? I mean, people think of him very highly. Yes. And you know, maybe he wouldn't have got those interviews. I think this is a good rule to have. I just think that rewarding people for hiring people like minorities is mm-hmm. you know not the way to go about it, and it honestly like hurts the integrity of the game. Here's the thing about Eric Bieniemy. before we move on. We don't really know if he's good at his job because he's not the one that calls the plays. <laughs> yeah. He's no, like Dowell Loggins. It's but true. Probably a much better version. Oh, absolutely. But we don't know if he's actually like good at his job because Andy Reid's the one that calls the plays. He's more of a offensive, like, I'd call him more of an offensive assistant than anything, than an offensive mm-hmm. coordinator. But what we're talking about with the draft picks, this – you know, this proposed idea is that teams, if team hires a minority head coach, this is according to ESPN, that team in the draft preceding the coach's second season would move up six spots from where it was slotted to pick in round number three. A team would jump up 10 spots under the same scenario for hiring a person of color and it, as its primary football executive. Now, if they hire both a minority head coach and a minority general manager, they move up 16 spots, six for the coach, 10 for the general manager. Guys, this is the idea, yeah, and it hasn't, I don't think it's going into play because I think they kind of figured that this is not a fantastic idea, obviously. Not at all. But that's a lot of draft picks. Yeah. And that's whether. You know, and in the second, third, and fourth round, you find quality starters there for your team. That's a big deal. That is a big deal. If you're jumping up 16 spots, 10, 6, 10, 16 spots, because you're hiring a minority head coach or general manager. Bottom line for this, it just shouldn't be about race. Yes, minority head coaches and general managers are underrepresented. That is absolutely fair. And are some owners, organizations, racially biased? Yes. I'll, we could point out a couple teams that historically have not hired minorities, and it doesn't look good on them. So that hap- that is a thing. But teams should not be punished or rewarded for hiring just someone just because of their color. White, black, Asian, purple, and alien. Who cares? Really? You know, I don't think this is going to be passed since the you know recent news has come out, but this was basically bribing organizations to hire minorities for draft picks. If you're good at I don't your even job, know. Go ahead, I don't Joe. even know how this like had a thought in somebody's I, head to 
to propose it. Like it's it, quarantine doesn't go and into it people's exactly. Heads. We really need we need something sense. to discuss. That's the problem. Your color was, should not matter. Your ability to do your job does. It was also interesting to see how, you know, the NFL started rolling out their plans to open facilities like an hour or two after this story broke. Of course. Of course. Like I think they realize now, you know, they made some you know, expansions to the rule, which, you know, fine, you know, mm-hmm. allow, give these people the opportunity, you know, to get into a building. Um, I, I just don't see, uh, but they have to be good at their job though. Yes. Yeah, that's the thing. If you're just the bringing thing, in somebody just because what does that yeah. say about the organization and their priorities? Well, the one big thing was surrounding the giants. I, I was listening to WFAN and, they were saying how, yes, Biennemi was an option for the Giants. And he should be. I think. They went they went along with Joe Judge, who has no head coaching, no real play calling experience at all. So I think that someone really looked into that and was like, kind of seems a little suspicious. And again, correct me if I'm wrong, but are the Giants one of those teams where they haven't really selected a minority you know what well, i mean i was i was so, gonna call him out so like but but it but, it's, but you're right it's there you're right and it's for everyone to see mm-hmm. so and then and then just hiring joe judge kind of out of left field was a little suspicious right so my bottom line is and you guys would probably agree if you're good at your job you get the job and you get promoted like doesn't matter. Does, does, your color should not play a factor in this. Unfortunately, we live in a society where it does, and that is unfortunate. It's not just football; it's not just professional sports. It's everywhere you go. You know, the NFL has very good intentions when it comes to the Rooney Rule and this kind of thing, but that was just a stupid idea and the stupidest thing I've mm-hmm. ever heard in my life. And like, if you look at the percentages, I think in 2018 or 2019, the NFL had the players in the NFL were 70 percent African American. Right. Like, they're well represented. At like, you know, in the realm of like the athletes on the field. Mm-hmm. And you know, like, look at Ozzie Newsome. He song. He was African American, and he was the Ravens, you know, GM for. He was a very one of the. He's one of the time. best GMs yep. ever, and he yeah. hopefully created our great GM. Yeah, hopefully. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter, you know, what your race is or whatever. If you no. like, we've said how many times. If you're good at your job, and people, you know, see promise in you from you know whatever you're doing. I mean, Ozzy Newsome, former player, went to GM. Like, yeah, he was given the opportunity and. Like it shouldn't matter. You shouldn't have to bribe people for no, this to happen. No, shouldn't at all. And we also make it seem like minorities have not had a chance and have not been successful. We look at the minority head coaches over the year. Tom Flores coached the Oakland Raiders, the LA Raiders, and the Seattle Seahawks, and won two Super Bowls in his ten games on over five hundred. And of course, the two of the most famous minority head coaches and the most successful, Tony Dungy. 139 and 68, 69. So one Super Bowl, 40, uh, I believe it was one Super Bowl with the Colts when they won. And then Mike Tomlin, currently with the Pittsburgh Steelers, 131 and 73, has won a Super Bowl and has been to two. So we're making it seem like now there is a bunch of minority head coaches that are just not any good. Uh, Romeo, Romeo Cornell, uh, Mike Singletary, uh, Leslie Frazier. And another one I forgot to mention, too, who is successful is Ron Rivera. Now, 
he's not an African American, but he is of minority. Yeah, but he's still a minority. 76 and 63, 2015 NFC champion, lost Super Bowl 50. Our buddy Todd Bowles, Scott, you said it best. Very good defensive coordinator, bad head coach. They just he just didn't make it. Hugh Jackson, we talked about too, and there are, and then the most recent ones too, that were mentioned in this memo were Vance Joseph and Steve Wilkes, who had who each had one season. Oh, I'm sorry, Vance Joseph had two seasons. Steve Wilkes had one in Arizona, but you look at the records. Vance Joseph was 11 and 21 in two years. Steve Wilkes was three and 13. Like maybe Steve Wilkes didn't get a fair chance. I'll give him that. But Vance Joseph was 11 and 21 in two years. Like, what do you want them to do? What do you want the Broncos to do in that situation? If you don't, if you know the guy's a bad head coach, why are you going to keep him on for another third year? You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. But then we get to the ruling that the owners did come up with. And in short, they add to the Rooney rule a little bit. And Scott said before, you have to now interview two minority candidates. Um, the biggest thing, I think, was that they changed the anti-tampering policy to relax the rules that have allowed teams to deny assistant head coaches and executives the opportunity to interview for jobs. And I feel like this should have happened a long time ago. It shouldn't have had to come to the Rooney rule to do this. But now assistant coaches and whatnot can go interview for jobs without having to be denied access to. Um, they also expanded the number of, exec- of executive positions as well as they will each 32 NFL teams will establish a minority coaching fellowship program. So essentially an internship program for minority, you know, coaching candidates. Again, I'm glad that this draft compensation thing has kind of flown to the wayside and has faded away because the NFL has to realize this was an awful, stupid idea. Have to. Um, That last point that you just brought up about the, you know, access to interview if you're like a coordinator or like yep. an assistant GM or something. I think that's a really big deal. It is. Um, yeah. You know. And that doesn't just go for minority head coach. It goes for everybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you shouldn't be able to block people from like improving themselves. Exactly. Like we were sure. really scared that Joe Douglas wasn't going to be allowed to interview for our GM job. Mm-hmm. Like. You shouldn't be able to do that. Like, if the person doesn't want to interview, like that's their own decision. Mm-hmm. But you shouldn't be able to block the person from interviewing if they do want to, you know, better their own advance. career. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I think that's a really big deal, and that's a very good decision by the owners. Yeah, that's a very good. That's a very good point. And again, the now when it comes down to all this, do you, I mean, do you guys agree with me that I think the NFL has great intentions? They, abs- I think they absolutely do, but. Will this solve the problem? I don't like the problem in total. I don't think so. I think it's going to take a while still before, you know, things can kind of become normal like this. And the bottom line is teams are going to hire who they want to hire when it comes down to it. Again, white, black, Hispanic, purple, an alien, whatever. They're going to hire who they want to hire at the end of the day. Yeah. So that's the talk on the Rooney rule and where the NFL is headed. And one um one quick football thing before we move on to our new segment here. Sure. I just I got an update on from Bleacher Report while we were recording before. Uh, former Jets star running back Curtis Martin said he played the back half of his NFL leading sixteen hundred and ninety seven yard season in two thousand four on a torn MCL. Wow, I just saw that too. Yeah, that's well, crazy. Well, 
we all know how we feel about Curtis Martin. We think he's the GOAT, but people say otherwise. And you know what I saw, too? Hold on. Let me try and bring this up. I think there was a top running back list. Hold on. Let me get it here. One second. Okay. There was a top 25 running backs of all time. I don't know who this is from, but there was a lot of reaction from it. First of all, Jim Brown was number 12. That's interesting. Over uh, in front of him was guys like Tiki Barber, Earl Campbell, Frank Gore, Adrian Peterson, Paul Horning from the Green Bay Packers. And 25 of these slots, and you know who doesn't appear on the list? Curtis Martin. How do you do that? Yeah, I don't know. Just more uh, no respect to the Jets. Of course, naturally. Just had to put, just had to point that out there. All right, so that is it for our segment, uh, for our little tidbits we had there. So now we will move on to a new segment that we just came up with yesterday, as of, as of now, because sports are slowly coming back. So we need our gambling fix here. We need something <laughs> to gamble on, and this will go on as live sports become you know become more alive and we get more of them but for our first time we introduce the tri-state sports book now how this is going to work is when all sports come back and everything's back to normal we will bet we will place a bet on one game in each league from NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, to the randomest ones, KBO, Bundesliga, golf, tennis, whatever. And we'll just take a shot in the dark. And if we get any of these right, we're geniuses. We're great. If not, we're Stu Nods and, you know, we lose some money. So, boys, do you have your picks? Do you have your, uh, your sporting events? Scott, I will let you go first. Okay. NASCAR has uh... – come back on Sunday start your engines and you know very impressive ratings I think they had about six and a half million people tune in on mm-hmm. Sunday yep you know, I'm not usually an avid NASCAR watcher but you know it's something um I uh I think Jimmy Johnson will finish in the top three tonight at Darlington oh the race is tonight I forgot the race is tonight they are you know gritting up the cars right now and they're almost ready to go racing all right so why why do you think Jimmy Johnson Scott I have to um, I have to ask <laughs> or did you just kind well, of I'll, I'll, I'll try not to sound like a <laughs> I think I saw um he was uh he had the lead on Sunday for like 20 or 25 laps and then mm-hmm. got crashed by a lapped car oh, so you know I have confidence that he's going to bounce back all right that's a very good NASCAR now he might be gotta, he might be the greatest that. NASCAR driver of all time he might be might be it's his final season he's retiring after this year mm-hmm. So you're, you're, you're banking on that momentum. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. All right. There you I go. Can't argue Jimmy Johnson to finish in the top three. All right. Can't argue with that there. Joe, you're up. I'm interested to see this one. Oh, it's – I'm very interested. There's no reasoning behind any of mine. <laughs> How many, many of have? mine? How many do you have? Well, I, ha- I had three because I didn't know if we were doing it like – You know, let's say them all. Like a parlay. So <laughs> – I'll say no. I'll I'll say my favorite. Usually that's how it will be, but we have very yeah, limited yeah. options here. I'm not like, gonna bet on like Russian ping pong. Hey, no, no. Well, I, and I listen, did all listen, NASCAR. 
anything goes in the tri-state sports book. Anything you want. Just go ahead, Joe. <laughs> go ahead. I, I did. I did NASCAR. There's three. All, all of them were, uh, the Toyota 500. Um, That's tonight. Good. Top, top Ford car. So, oh, who's going to be the uh, the winner out of all the Ford cars? Okay. Interesting. Joey Logano. Okay. Don't because his guy. name's Joey. Oh, all right. Hey, that's not bad. You know what? That's he's a he's a pretty it's, good driver. I think. So. And Joe and Joe. And how many I think, people like him? Joe, I think you and Joey Logano have some similar facial features, if you know what I mean. Nice beard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not really. I'll go to my next one. After. <laughs> <laughs> top. Uh, the top Chevrolet car. Okay. Oh dear. All right. Jimmy Johnson. Good. Good. All right. I, I, I knew the, I knew the name, so I had to pick him. Um, top Toyota car. Uh-huh. Kyle Busch. He's also Kyle Busch. Bush Go, beer. Going with Rowdy. All right. So, uh, yeah. Those were three good picks. Those are, yeah, Joe. Joe, you, if, Joe, you should probably put that in. Did the race start already? I think uh, it's yeah, it's in a weather. You, you might not be able to put any. I don't know. I don't it's think. It's about I'm to gonna, start. They were in a weather delay. I don't think I'll actually put them in. All right. But well. if you put $5, because you couldn't, you could you can't parlay them. Right. For whatever reason on the on Can't the do props book, but, uh, that way. Yeah. Yeah. So. I put five dollars. Say I put five dollars on each one, totaling to fifteen. You win seventy nine dollars fifty cents. Okay, there so you go. not bad. Definitely so you, a lot of money in NASCAR. So you guys went with the mechanical horses, huh? Yes. All right. Well, I didn't. Giddy up horsey. Yeah, giddy up horsey. <laughs> and we do. We, I mean, we will have horse racing soon. We're getting oh, the dear. triple crown. We're getting the triple crown in reverse. I order. did hear that. Yeah, I know. Joe is, June twentieth. Yeah, I know. Joe is very excited for horse racing because I made him watch it all three he races saw. last year. Made him watch it, and he was into it. He won't admit it, but he was. <laughs> I went with the the match that is happening on Sunday. The good old Tiger versus Phil, Tom versus Manning. The pairing of Tiger Woods, Peyton Manning. Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady. You know, I think Phil Mickelson is due for one. I mean, Tiger won the Masters. He won the last match. I think Phil Mickelson is due for one. So I'm going to take Phil and Tom, plus 180. If you put down 15 bucks, you win 42. I might put a little more up. Feeling oh, wow. Feel a little confident in lefty. Now, I don't really like to – I mean, you can't really bet against the Patriots. You haven't been able to bet against the Patriots in so long. So I'm going to keep riding that momentum, even though Tom is no longer with the Patriots. Don't ever bet against Tom. I'm taking Tom and Phil to win it over Tiger and Peyton Manning. I don't know how Peyton Manning's golf game is. Let's be real. I mean – I heard it's pretty good. All right. Well, you know what? I'm going to take my chances. I love Tiger. Believe me, I do. I love Peyton Manning. But since I love them, they're probably going to let me down. So I'm going to go <laughs> Phil and Tom to win it in a close, maybe by, maybe by a stroke or two. Maybe we'll keep the folks mm. watching. So I will definitely be tuning into that. Scott, I don't, if you're not on the links, if we're not on the links, we'll probably be watching yeah. it. Let's be real there. I have a question for you as yes, we close this out. All right. Fair enough. I had a conversation with some of my friends from school the other day. Mm-hmm. Well, who are your top five favorite current golfers? Joe, you probably can't wow. comment on this because no, you I, don't I, know I any. No. no. In – in order, like yeah, one okay. through five. Wow, I'll give you mine. Yes, please do. Uh, number one was Tiger. Okay. Number two was Ricky. Mm. 
Number three is Brooks Kepka. Number four is Jordan Speed. <laughs> uh, number number five. This could be a little surprising. Big Tony Finau guy. You Tony know what, Finau that's, that's, is my number five. That's actually not that. That's actually I also really like Bubba. Good. I'm a Bubba guy. And yeah. Tommy Fleetwood. Yeah. All right. Now you're putting me on the spot. Now I got to think. Well, my top five was Tiger, Ricky, Kepka, Jordan Speed, and Tony Finau. <laughs> All right. Uh, number one. Like my personal favorite or who yeah. I, like, okay. Number one, the I got to go you want to see the ones you want to see win the most. Oh, number one, I got to go with Rick. Have to go with Rick. Have to go with Rick. I, you know, I told you guys a story, but I'll tell everybody a story. I went to go see the Barclays when it was played on the golf course on route three in, um, East Rutherford. I don't know what that golf course name is, but I met Ricky Fowler when he was like a rookie and I got his autograph on the ticket. So I've loved Ricky Fowler ever since. And I want him to win a major so freaking bad, it almost hurts. Almost hurts. If it were a green jacket, it were a Masters, I'd be elated. Number <laughs> So Ricky's definitely number one. Tiger's number two because, I, I, you know, I've always loved Tiger. Grew up watching Tiger for most of my, you know, as long as I've been a golf fan. And just to see his comeback is, a, is freaking amazing. It's one of the great comeback stories in sports. So Tiger's number two. I have to go Bubba three just because Bubba Watson was – He's not a natural golfer. He, you know, I, I believe he's, like, self-taught. And he's, you know, for being a two-time Masters champion, being self-taught, like, that is my freaking dream. Please let that happen to, like, either me or Scott or one of us. Who knows? But Bubba's number three. It'll be me. Oh, jeez. <laughs> four and five. This is tough. For four. Wow. Why do I think you liked Rory McIlroy? Uh, I do like Rory. Yeah, I don't mind him. People hate him. I like him. Rory. He's not in my top five, but I don't mind him. Mm, I like Rory, but he's he's uh he's been performing as well as I'd like to. As I'd like him to in the past five years or so. My friend said I liked Bubba because I slice just like him. <laughs> oh, that's very relatable. Number four. Um I'd have to go with Bryson. See, I'm not a fan. No, you're not. I think he's so full of himself. I just uh, I don't like him. I like Bryson DeChambeau. I like the hat. That's different. <laughs> Those single length irons. <laughs> yeah, I like him. Dude's just an interesting fella. I I don't. I think he's full of himself, and I'm not a huge fan. Mm-hmm. Now, number five, it's a toss up between either Dustin Johnson or Justin Rose. Hmm. I'm not a Justin Rose guy. No. I also I think he's just got a, he just looks like he's not a he nice guy. He looks fella. angry. He looks yeah. angry all the time. Yeah. But what about Justin Thomas? J- JT, I, I like I too. Like yeah. Just cause I know a Justin Thomas. So. JT. You know, what? you know what, Joe? Thank you for bringing him up. I would put J, I'd actually put JT four. I'll put JT four and I'll put Dustin Johnson five. So Ricky, Tiger, who did I say for three? I forgot already. Um, Bubba. Bubba, um, wow, Justin Thomas, and Dustin Johnson. I like that. That's a very good question. Who did your friend say, Scott? Do you remember? Um, uh, one of them was Tiger Kepka, Xander Shoffley, uh, Ricky Fowler, and Kevin Kisner. Now, if we're talking like all time, I'd like, I'd like to see that conversation because – 
There's a lot of good ones. Tiger, Jack, Arnold, obviously, like, in the top three, like, not even close. Mm-hmm. Um, Gary Player. Um, PJ Singh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you, didn't even, you don't have Phil in your top five? Nah. Phil hasn't – Phil's still like Phil. waiting. I, just... I do, too, but I need him to win that U.S. Open. Need him yeah. to win it. The career and, I don't know if he, I don't, and I don't know if he's going to. Yeah. I, really don't know. I think he's kind of past it, especially since the U.S. Open – you know, people say the Masters is the hardest to win, which, you know, probably is true. But the U.S. Open, the conditions are just like, you have to fight for four yeah. rounds. Joe, like, there's a reason why they're, you know, people win the U.S. Open at like one under, two under. Right. right. Joe, how about your top five golfers? Oh, <laughs> man. I'm going to have to say Rory McIlroy, uh, Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson has got to be up there. Hmm. Tiger Woods, you gotta you gotta put there. Yeah, he's he's pretty okay. And right? uh, pretty good. Uh, <laughs> uh, hmm. This is a, it's a great question. She's <laughs> scrolling through the internet to see which name he has. <laughs> Joe, say Patrick. Reed. Oh dear, they asked who my top five hated golfers said. I went. Oh, Patrick, I did one through five. Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed, absolutely. <laughs> Patrick Reed and Matt Kuchar, just because he didn't tip his call, his caddy. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. No, we used to who's him. <laughs> oh, he he's my favorite just because of his name. And my yeah. friends, I can't pronounce it. All right. That'll do it for our bonus episode of the Tri-State Sports Beat. Thank you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for our full episode one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten episode recap of the ESPN documentary The Last Dance on the Michael Jordan led Chicago Bulls. So we will see you guys then. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.